to the fifth episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And this week is going to be a little bit different because last Friday, a huge, huge, huge video game got released. So we're going to do a little bit of a switcheroo and talk about video games this week first. But as always, I'm Jerry Castillo and I'm joined by... Uh, I am Mr. Daniel Wynn and uh, with us tonight is... Your boy, Relly Rail, Jarrell Sales. So, you guys all know the uh, the comment about ripping off the Band-Aid, and let's just do it. Let's just rip off the Band-Aid, so... The Last of Us 2 came out Friday. Your guys' thoughts, go. That, this one and the first one are, like, some of the most terrifying sh- I have ever played on a video, on a video game console. I'm gonna be honest, right there. All right. I, I feel it, man. I it, you really feel like you're in the universe. You really feel like you're in their shoes when you're uh navigating uh around the clickers or enemies. So I can feel the anxiety within completing some of the missions for sure. I dread I dread when they find infected in the air. It's like, oh come on. It's 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 scary. It's it's not it's not like Crash Bandicoot and Uncharted, that's for sure. It's it's completely the opposite of past Naughty Dog games. Because, I mean, it's so realistic. You, especially with The Last of Us 2, it's, they really make you feel as if you're in this video game. And what gets me nervous in old age is the little sound effect it makes when, when the enemies are noticing you. Like, that, that really gets me anxious. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, they're about to see me. Now what do I do? And a lot of the times I had to just go in guns blazing because I can't be stealthy at all. That's a good point you bring up. So... What are your thoughts just playing? Because I know, Jarrell, you've almost what almost finished the game, right? I have finished the game completely. There, there you go, finished the game. And Daniel, you have you have a few hours under your belt. So, what do you guys what do you guys think about the game thus far? Already, it's it's honestly a pretty fantastic experience. They created the environment so well. It's it's not it's not like it's not like Rockstar or like some other triple uh, A titles like. You can't just go in guns blazing this game. This is a very stealth oriented game. You're basically on your own, and you know it's 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 a survival based game. Like I can't tell you, like I hate playing missions alone. Like I have to have like a non playable character with me because you know it's 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 that anxiety inducing, and Naughty Dog does it so well. To piggyback off of that, I'm also gonna drop or drop a uh, game review on Entertainment's Paradise. So check that out. But it's like each situation is different. Uh, of course, you know, just like with the first Last of Us installment, you have non-playable characters that accompany you on certain missions. So during those missions, and I'm just talking, I'm speaking up on my experience with the game. During those missions, I'm not as stealthy as I would be by myself because I know I have somebody that's going to assist me with taking enemies out. Or if you're in certain situations where there's about three to five enemies, I feel more comfortable taking all of them out so I can search the other places and make sure I get either collectibles or things that are going to make my experience with the game better as far as upgrading my weapons or upgrading my character. But if there's a whole bunch of enemies, this game does a terrific job of putting you in so many different situations, forcing you to make a decision on how you're going to operate. I I love that aspect of it because that's realistic. When you're going out into the world in an apocalypse type atmosphere, you never know what to expect. So to throw these enemies at me, and just this is not a spoiler alert, but this is just something you're going to experience. Now they have environments where you're facing real people and you're facing the clickers and other type of infected people at the same time. 
And you would sometimes have to use that in certain situations. Like from my experience speaking, I would use the clickers to my advantage and have them end up fighting the real people so I can sneak away. That aspect is phenomenal to me, adding that because in real in, in reality, you want to use your environment. You want to use those things around you to get the best outcome. So that's amazing. I, I love the gameplay, the, the, the realistic feel that they brought to us in this game. And um, I mean, this is not really like a critique of the game. Just for viewers before playing it, like you've been warned, this game is violent. I mean, the last one was pretty violent, but this one, it takes it to another level. It's it's bloody, it's gory, and it's like, I mean, I can't believe I'm using this word. It's it's angry in, in one type of word. So just, just a heads up for like players that haven't played the game yet. Yeah, they really attack your emotions, both, like you said, angry angry and the sadness, despair, all, all of those emotions are going to get evoked as well as like anxiety and being scared. Like, and, and that's real too. If you're, if you're fighting life and death, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to be easy going. I'm trying to f-ing take your head off. And that's what happens in this game. From the fist fights to the, the gunplay to the crafting of your weapons and hitting somebody with a, a bat that has a, a, some scissors on it, it's, it's so in-depth. You see the blood splatter on your character around it's amazing. It's truly amazing. I, they really paid attention to detail on this game. I mean, kind of like following up, like the Naughty Dog, I, I'm a big fan of world building. That's why I'm such a big fan of things like the MCU. And Naughty Dog nailed the world. It It's, to be frank, it's a fucked up place, This the, the setting in this game, and they perfectly nailed it. So, I mean, like props to them. It's interesting you bring up the world building and how it's a messed up place because... I don't know if you guys saw, but there have been, I don't know, a handful of reviews prior to the game coming out in that reviewers who gave the game the score that they gave, regardless if it's a a 5 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, I guess the argument against Last of Us 2 was that it's extremely violent, it's extremely gory, and one of the things that they made mention of was how bleak the world is. Because we talk about world building, right? And you guys talk about how angry the game is. One of the things that they critiqued it on was how bleak the entire story was. And how the story in and of itself was good, but the execution was lacking. There were plot holes. There were characters that didn't seem to, I guess, carry over, right? Because in The Last of Us, the original one, you saw you saw all these characters grow and develop organically. But for whatever reason, some of the reviews that I've read say that The Last of Us 2 deviates from the characters that have been built up from the original. So it seems like these things that they do are out of character and therefore leads to plot holes. So I just want to get your guys' take on all of that. I mean, when you said what, you know, what they thought, initially what I you know came to conclusion is like what did you expect you're in a post-apocalyptic world you're dealing with a virus that's that you know turns people into maniacs and turns people rabid i mean of course it's going to be bleak and of course there's going to be things like death and tragedy and and like people are angry in this world if you especially look look back at the last one if you look back at the last one the characters no one was really fit to lead in this world and that's what you know that's how that's why the last one ended like it did and i think to go off of that point i think one of the things that differentiates the original one from part two was that there were there were moments of levity there were moments of comedy there were moments of 
just a relief. There was a scene where Ellie was petting a giraffe in the original Last of Us, and those moments helped break up the tension. And one of the things that the reviewers said was there was this overwhelming feeling of basically it's it's poorly paced let's put it that way because there have been parts where it's good there are action sequences and then there's 10 hours worth of just roaming around and doing dumb things let's put it that way so okay I mean, can i can i please go <laughs> go ahead go ahead um so look based off of just the world society when we watch like movies or games the sequel's usually not up to par to the first one I have to disagree with what is being said. We have we have seen character development with our main protagonist. Undoubtedly, from the first one to this one. No spoiler alerts, but we saw Ellie grow to a, from an innocent teenager to a mother killer. And that is shown within this game. They have did their job to make you feel as if this is some shit that's going down. This is personal. I am about to fuck up. And they did that. I absolutely, positively, 100% feel like their storytelling was amazing. To piggyback, to answer, to, to combat what was said about having some relief. This game isn't going to be the exact same as The Last of Us, the original installment. That's what makes this an amazing game. They did not strictly copy Last of Us 1 to Last of Us 2. They built on it. They gave you a different aspect, a different perspective on it. And to to comment on the comical relief, that wasn't meant for this type of game. We have more of a, a relief of sympathy, more of a, a relief of, of sadness. That was our relief. They got us into the feel. They got us into the, the mood of what they wanted. There was no need for that comical relief. If you go and process through the game, you will understand why happens you will understand why these cutscenes happen you will understand why they structured the game the way they structured it and i don't want to give too much because then it's going to be a spoiler alert on how they how they ultimately went about this game and i think it was perfect execution they did their job i want to like kind of piggyback that Andrell. you guys got to remember the last of us was in the perspective of joel joel has been fighting this pandemic this you know this disaster for a lot of his adult life and it I feel like the original Last of Us was Joel finding hope. He was he was already a grizzled old man by the time The Last of Us took place, the original installment. I think what The Last of Us 2 was trying to do, remember, Ellie's barely a, well, she's a young adult. She doesn't really quite know what the world is, even though she's seen a lot. I think this is, I think The Last of Us Part 2 was trying to convey, this is, this is what Ellie is realizing now. And I think they've kind of executed it perfectly so far where i'm at okay so let me just go to two points real quick if you don't mind the initial reviews of last of us 2 sony did this thing where the reviewers were only allowed to talk about i think three to four specific parts of the game and they weren't allowed to talk about the last 12 hours of the game where the most important gameplay lies so that's kind of what caused some of the division that said I'm curious to, to get your guys' take on the perceived plot holes. I know we're not spoiling anything here, but one of the main consensus was there were glaring plot holes concerning characters. Do you guys have any uh, rebuttal to that? I am not far enough in the game to have a, a pretty big determination, but I will say in regards to plot holes, remember, this is this is two. 
this is too. There, there's po- there's a possibility that they may make a third one come out, and I think with plot holes, especially in a potential trilogy like this, people just need to settle down. Plot holes can be explained later on. It gives you a sense of imagination, right? Think about this. This is a fucking movie. This is more than a fucking game. They they attack this shit like a movie. When you watch a movie, what does it have? Sometimes it has what quote unquote p- plot holes, but I don't see it as, as plot holes. Let's think about us, the movie Us. We had a lot of people once we watched that having so many different uh, theories on how shit was going down. That's the same kind of argument I could get with The Last of Us. Me personally, I don't I don't feel like the plot. If there is plot holes, it's not enough to degrade the game. The game is overall an amazing game. I personally don't see how whatever plot holes that they're coming up with, I could possibly see one thing that might be pissing people off, but to say that there's multiple plot holes where certain characters aren't reaching something, I don't I don't see that. That's not the main focus. Why are we focusing on so much of the negative aspects of the game, which is minimal when we're speaking of this game, when there's so many positive aspects to focus on? They're focusing on the wrong things, in my opinion, because the main story plot is so fucking awesome. You can't, you, I can't compare this to any other game. As far, as far as telling a story, as far as the character development, as far as getting your emotions involved, as far as having these characters be supporting cast, because in all honesty, every character isn't a fucking main character. They're supposed to be supporting the main protagonist, which is I, Ellie. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if the plot holes in the story are not really related to Ellie, I mean, does it really matter? As long as you explain those, the main story at the end of the day, you've done your job. So, I mean, I kind of agree with Jarell is saying here. Okay, well, it's interesting because we're talking about the negatives and the positives. That is what encompasses a review, is that you have to take the good and the bad. And these reviewers, obviously, they're subjective, but they are taking the good and the bad. Some are praising the gameplay. Obviously, the gameplay is superb, fantastic. It is fantastic. Absolutely. But, but you also have to take into account, like, sometimes the story may not have been what they expected because again reviews are subjective so if anything what they may have thought last of us part two to be is not what they had in mind or maybe the implementation of what they were thinking of or what they perceived to be there just wasn't expected it just wasn't what they were thinking so we may have to put those factors into account taking what other people say and what reviewers say about it as a whole understood understood i'm just gonna have to have to uh respectfully disagree <laughs> but i mean it is what it is i find this with a lot of sequels sometimes it's under pressure of the original a lot of the times you know and people get especially in this day and era like people get toxic about it and they become very split and it, it makes the environment not so fun and I mean, I know it's this is really unrelated. Unrelated. This is why what this is what makes the MCU incredible, is that it's consistency throughout, and like people are not very split. But I think the sequel, and I'm sorry to get off topic. In regards to the Last of Us, I think it's it's been a fantastic sequel so far. Uh, unfortunately, I have not played much of it, but my first impressions that it is an impressive sequel and an impressive game overall. I mean, I look forward to playing it more in in the coming days. And you you hit the nail on the head there. It is a very divisive game because on Metacritic, it's had a really good score amongst reviewers, but among fans, 
it's been really down. I think the last time I checked a few days ago, it was hovering between 4.5 and 5 out of 10 because of how the story is. And that's with, I think, 20,000 or more reviews from gamers. So if, if anything, it's divisive. A lot of times when these sequels come out and people get divisive, I just want to like, can people, I just feel sometimes people are like, are being too harsh. And they're, sometimes people expect too much. People just need to realize a good story when they have it. And, you know, just relax. I mean, it, it's, it's, people are weird sometimes. Relax and just experience the greatness. It's just like when guys or women think of a significant other. They have a specific ideology of what their person is supposed to be. But in reality, it ain't that ain't going to happen. So if we keep thinking, oh, this game going to be just like this, that is what's going to mess you up in the end. I told, I said this in the previous uh, podcast episode. I don't think it was last episode. It was the other episode. Uh, episode three, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, I said I didn't have any expectations for this game. I just, I expected to experience and experience this game and enjoy it. I did not have any expectations on how this story was going to be. I kind of, in all honesty, I zoned out. I knew that I'm going, I knew I was going to be excited for this game. I played The Last of Us, the original installment, five times and beat it through. I, I, but not once in my mind did I really think about what was going on during this time period. I kid you not. I was just living in a moment of, oh, The Last of Us is amazing. I know this happens, this happens, this happens. And I was all excited for my pre-order, but I not in my, I, I kid you not, I did not have a thought of what's really like an in-depth thought of what really happened with Ellie. I just experienced it. And it came out to me that this is a 10 out of 10 game for me. So this is just a little preview to what my review for the game is. 10 out of 10 for me. And this is coming in with little expectations, knowing a little bit about the major improvements they did and just really enjoying and living in the moment of the video game. Okay, and just to wrap things up here, this is kind of just something I thought about. Do you think that had Last of Us 2 not come out, do you think that Last of Us 1 would have just been fine by itself as a standalone? Uh, I mean, to be honest... I think the first one was okay by itself, but I mean, whenever you can add on to the story, I mean, so be it. So, I mean, sure, The Last of Us first one didn't really necessarily need a sequel, but to, in my opinion so far, this is this is an honorary addition to the first one. I believe it could have stood it could have stood out alone. It could have been one of those one-hit wonders like a, like a movie. I like to compare it to a movie. But I feel like The Last of Us 2 was necessary to tell the story because a lot of people around the world were wondering okay uh spoilers for the last of us but ellie and joel found this place what is going to happen how is ellie going to grow what's going to happen to joel and these were the questions that a lot of gamers are asking within that, those seven years so i feel like this was a necessary piece to continue on that story and of course as a gamer we want that because naughty dog gives us an amazing story all right anything else to add with regards to the last of us too before we move on it's a scary f-ing game. Hey, if you got $60 in your account, cop it. All right. It's definitely a cop from Jarrell. It's definitely a cop from Daniel. And I'm still on defense about it. So we'll see you next week. But switching on to sports. Guess what, guys? What? Guess what? Corona is hitting everywhere. Um, so, all right. Well, is there a, 
Is there a particular sport you guys want to want to focus on with regards to Corona or just go at it? Just go at it. All right. So we'll start with the NBA because that's something we all love and enjoy. I don't know if it's just me, but even though the NBA is coming back in a few weeks, I'm not as confident as I was before because I don't know if you guys saw, but Nikola Jokic has COVID. Two Suns players have COVID. A Western Conference playoff team had four positive cases. Malcolm Brogdon has COVID. Jabari Parker has COVID. Buddy Heald has COVID. There's a lot more other players that we haven't named that actually have COVID. And for me personally, although I am excited to see the NBA back, I don't know how long it's going to last because at what point do you switch your mind from thinking it's great to have the NBA back so that they can talk about racial inequality to, oh, the NBA is back because they need to make money. Man, this is like the worst timing ever. I mean, COVID cases have made a record surge in the last few days. And Florida just happens to be one of the more hardest states of all of them. So I agree with yeah. you, Jared. I am I am not, like the players you mentioned, that's a that's honestly a surprising amount of players that are getting, you know, that have COVID antibodies. So, I mean, it's definitely scary. I mean, every Avery Bradley for the Lakers just opted out. I mean, I fear this could be too much of a dangerous situation if it keeps escalating. I Let's just hope it just hovers around a certain level so we can have the return of NBA basketball. Oh, man. I think that just like when we, you walk outside right now and, and you drive by restaurants and they're like, oh, yeah, we're open to dining. I think for a moment of time, we kind of just forgot that this is real. Like, it exists. <laughs> I don't I, it's, it's becoming more reality. Like, I, I'm going I'm to I'm be honest. I I kind of kind of took a step back and was thinking like that, too subconsciously like oh this doesn't exist anymore but as these players like when once you're seeing their names that's why it's so important to say people's names once you're seeing their names on these articles coming out it, it becomes more reality like trevor ariza is sitting out because he's thinking about his family avery bradley is sitting out because he's thinking about his family his health so when i think of it like that and all of these names are coming coming out saying that they have it i'm leaning more towards maybe this this shouldn't be happening because we're going to have how many people in Orlando next month? A few thousand, maybe 10,000, if that, because you have to account for like media, players. potential media that, are, that have been invited to cover. Yeah, so, plus, the, plus the workers that actually have to prepare meals and have to do all these things for the players too. So in that case, you, you're putting yourself in a, in a situation to get the, get the virus. It just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant now. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. And I just feel like as more and more players speak out against it or speak out as far as sitting out, more and more players are going to go. It's going to be a domino effect. And then we're going to have playoff teams like the Lakers. I'm seeing that there's three players on here that are potentially not going to be playing that are key to our team. And that's me sounding selfish, but I'm just saying, like, that's what's the point? If Avery Bradley was one of our X factors, Dwight Howard is one of our X factors, JaVel McGee has asthma. If I have a condition or if I have a family member that has a condition, I am not going to Orlando. Yeah, it's. And it's one of those things that you kind of have to take into account, right? Because like you said, we kind of forgot that Corona was a thing. And then you're seeing all these, these athletes. I don't know if about, about you guys, but I've been seeing a lot of reports from Bleacher Report or from Twitter that numerous athletes from different sports are getting Corona, like football players, college football players are getting them. Novak Djokovic, I think, got yep. Corona yep. from being very, 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 very very 
immature about the entire situation con- concerning coronavirus. I've seen a ton of women's national soccer players decide not to play in their tournament coming up. And, you know, the NHL even has a bunch of things going on with them. And they are, they're still trying to deal with the coronavirus as a whole. So I don't know if having NBA players in Orlando makes the most sense because contrary to popular belief, athletes, their immune systems, they're more compromised than regular human beings because they they're running all the time yeah they're exercising and they're going through the strenuous process and so their immune system can't keep up so they're more susceptible to it and potentially the the effects of it than regular people are i mean i just i think us as a society we we just got so used to like coronavirus being a thing we got used to it so much that we kind of forgot about it and then the the whole George Floyd thing happened, and like that took our attentions off. And now here we are back again. I and my biggest fear is, I mean, China and South Korea. There's there's signs now that a second wave is here in the U.S. I mean, what's what makes this worse is that we may even, despite the cases coming back, we may even be still in this in the first wave. We we haven't even hit our second wave yet because this is the first time like states like Arizona, Texas. Florida, they're being hit with disease. Technically, this is their first wave. So, like, if anything, like we could we could see this thing, disease, this disease stick around, not just like the rest of this year, but the rest of next year. We may even not have fans back in the stands by at least 2022. So, like, that's how serious this virus is. It's it's not going away anytime soon. This this is a I I hate to say very blunt like curse words, but this is like this is a hard ass motherfucker. And it ain't just gonna die like that. It this thing this thing has this thing has it's willing to fight. It it, it hasn't left. <laughs> there has been no cure, and all of, and we kind of got brainwashed with it and thought that everything was going to be okay, but it is not okay. With regards to things being okay, it's interesting because this is going through the back of NBA players' minds too. Because I I think it was Lou Williams a few days ago. He said that he's fifty fifty on whether he wants to return or not. But this danger is for what? To get more money because first the China thing, and now they haven't met the NBA. I mean, hasn't met their quota on the games that they should be televising. At what point does it become more of having the NBA back than it is having more revenue, right? At at this point, it's a simple question. It's, do you want to play basketball or do you want to live? (laughs) I'm basically, yeah, basically, because basically. this is life or death. Like people are dying. You even if you get it and you don't necessarily die, you have the chance to pass it on to somebody else. So, in all honesty, that's how I'm looking at it now. Like I'm an NBA player, I got my money, I got my contract, yada yada, cool, cool. But would I rather live with my family, you know, or go out here and play some basketball? When in all honesty, a lot of these players can still play with each other. Pause. (laughs) (laughs) You know, at their little home gyms and whatnot. Yeah, and that's not taking into account that if they do decide to go to Orlando, they're going to be inside this quote-unquote bubble for, I don't know, like two, three, four months. And it's crazy. Like, what? think about it like this. Let's say, like, the Bucks are playing because I just dropped that uh, in my MVP post on Entertainment's Paradise free promo. Um, Let's say the Bucks are playing, and God forbid, I'm not even going to say the best player now in the God forbid uh, someone like Pat Connington gets COVID. 
what is he he now he has to quarantine for two weeks and now he just missed game three and four of the playoffs that's gonna suck there's a lot of scenarios where like it could really derail a team's chances of winning the whole thing and i don't know man I, i don't know man like especially with our lakers i mean as a team that's been struggling to get that struggling to find that you know that third guy i mean losing avery bradley sucks okay so a lot of things can go really bad here if if this tournament were to proceed. It's really interesting you bring up the third guy because reports have it that J.R. Smith is one of the leading candidates to replace Avery Bradley. And if it's not J.R. Smith, it's Swaggy P. So Oh man, Swaggy uh, P. Hey, I remember I, Swaggy P. I remember that stupid incident he had with D, uh, D'Angelo. Hey, okay, Swaggy P is a bucket, J.R. is a bucket. But at this point, that's not replacing Avery Bradley. We already got Deion Waiters, and 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 no offense to those two players that I named, but Deion Waiters is basically the same caliber player as Nick Young and J.R. Smith, in my opinion. We're missing Avery Bradley, the defensive player. That's what we're missing. I don't need another offensive player. So y'all telling me we signed J.R. Smith is not getting me happy at all. <laughs> Do we have to remind the audience the last time J.R. Smith picked up the basketball in the in the NBA Finals game one? Champion, he still is an NBA champion. But anything's possible. Anything's possible. Especially Mr. with, with Hennessy, but you know, we can't forget what happened in game one of the twenty eighteen NBA finals. Man, I'm just thinking Dion and JR in the bubble exactly. and they don't and they don't test for recreational drugs. Dog, mm. they all in the same like they in the same like column, bro. Nick Young, Dion Waiters, and JR Smith. Nick Young do some stupid shit too. You remember shooting shots and then turning around and that shit, uh, ringing in and out. Brick. Yeah, shooting bricks. Shooting bricks, shout out. But, uh, <laughs> dude, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of excited to see what JR can bring to the Lakers. If uh, there's anything he can bring to the Lakers, maybe uh, some gummies, but I mean. Uh, man. If anything, Caruso gets more minutes. Give the rest of the minutes to Dion. I don't think we really need JR, to be honest. I mean, Caruso has served us well this season, Jarrell, so. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. He gets, he gets. The starting nod, if anything, because Bradley was starting, right? And then give the rest of those minutes to Dion with Rondo coming off the bench. I mean, with this tournament, I'm sorry to get a little off topic, but, like, another concern, like, I want to have to bring up is since they're going to be in this bubble for two, three months, I mean, like, I wonder what the emotional and mental health impact on these players this is going to have. And, you know, that's kind of a little concerning to me. It's a Thank you for bringing that up because the NBA and the NBA Players Associate association, excuse me, actually agreed to put a plan into place where they would have an enhanced insurance plan for players in Orlando that would cover any injuries, maybe career-ending injuries as well, related to COVID or other basketball injuries. And these group policies would cover players for several million dollars, according to Woj. So maybe that's part of their comprehensive plan as well, whatever emotional and mental strains they may get by being away from their family for three four months at a time so i mean no matter how pretty you set up the place i mean you're gonna be stuffed you're you're practically literally in a bubble isolated so i mean that that has to be a major concern i mean continuing to play in a place like that and think about the needs the needs and the wants i'm not gonna get into depth on it but (laughs) three to four months man (laughs) y'all know what i'm talking about I mean, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But see, okay, that's actually a really good point because 
one of the things that I was listening to another podcast where one of the things they brought up was the people that can go into the bubble, they're basically handpicked. Some people can have family and they can have a certain number of them, but that's about it. However, the employees though, you can't really regulate who goes in and out. So it goes back to the point of, yeah, you as a player may be safe, but what about the dudes that are preparing your meals or fixing your rooms or giving you the ball, right? True. True. Honestly, this wasn't the most thought out plan. And especially considering, like you said, Daniel, the numbers in Florida are spiking hard. I just feel like this was more of a business move rather than any other move, to be honest. I mean, there's not much more I can say. It's It was definitely driven by money and I mean, we're in this position right now because some irresponsibility on some of our leaders. So it, 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 it keeps this situation keeps getting more complicated as the days go by. All right. And just one more NBA thing before we move on to the next topic. What would you guys consider to be a successful season and offseason for the Lakers this year? If I have to say anything, uh, uh, I think a successful season would be winning 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 the title because like it's been this team is built to win now and LeBron James and a lot of those players on that roster I mean like they don't have many years left so I mean to the big point is like if if the Lakers are going to win the championship with LeBron on the roster it has to be this year because from here and like here on out like it's just going to get harder you have the Clippers who are who, who will have better chemistry next season and then you're going to have the Brooklyn Nets, who get Kevin Durant back next next season as well. I mean, I if anything, I'm gonna say the next three champion teams are gonna be the Lakers, Clippers, and Nets. If I mean, if things, that's my prediction of the next you know two to three years in this league. So, but the main point is, the Lakers, I think they have to win a championship this year. And then in terms of the off season, I mean that, it's so far out. I mean, I can't really make a prediction on it. I mean, we should we should try to aim for that, you know, keep looking for that third guy to implement on our roster. To piggyback on that, a successful season for the Lakers, again, will to be to win the NBA championship. They got the best team. They got the best record in the West. They're competing. They're in championship mode. So that will end off the season with a bang. As far as the offseason, our number one priority is to re-sign AD to a max deal. We are not only – I forgot team, about that. Forgot about are, that, yeah. We are not only in championship mode right now, but we're also in that we're, especially if slash when we win the championship this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're also at that weird stage where we are still competing, but we are building towards the future. It's kind of similar to like the Spurs teams when they're competing and they're still getting these players. So what we need to do is, like Daniel said, is get that third option scoring-wise. Scoring-wise, third option that we can depend on, lean on. We've heard talks about like Zach Levine. I don't know necessarily how that's going to work without trading away Danny Green because our salary cap isn't the best. But if we can somehow get a third player that's borderline all-star because Kuzma uh, obviously hasn't shown up this season, in my opinion, I think that'll be a successful offseason. And then keep doing what we've been doing these past two seasons, is which is building, play, building the team around veterans, players that are able to do multiple things and ultimately help glue the team together. In all honesty, I don't know if we're going to either do it through the draft or G League, whatever the case may be. I want us to get 
me personally, I want us to get a young player that is like Showtime, high flying superstar, like like how we had uh, not superstar, but high flying Showtime type of player, like a Shannon Brown, like a Derrick Jones Jr. Just to build that 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 culture of youth and, like I said, Showtime within the Lakers. And I just feel like that's another thing that we're missing that youth and explos- explosiveness. So getting that type of player. That and everything else that I just said will ultimately lead to a successful offseason for the Lakers. I mean, there's a, I think there's actually a big possibility given how old our team is that after this cha- I mean, if we I mean, after this potentially championship winning season that we could be forced into rebuilding sooner than what most people think. I think after this season, I think we got to like I think the Lakers have got to shift focus from being a LeBron like centric franchise into putting the pressure on AD to be the face of the franchise because like LeBron's not getting younger. And I think we, I think eventually as time goes on, I think we got to find a way to get one of these young up and coming all-stars onto the Lakers. I mean, there's a bunch of them out there. I'm, I mean, it's, it's That's- way too early to speculate, but I think, I think the Lakers have to have this on this mind that eventually when the season is done, I think we got a plan for a future where we have to nab a, another all-star somehow. It, it's kind of been showcased during the season that this is both LeBron and AD's team. We've seen it in a lot of moments with AD having defensive plays win games or going off for a absurd amount of points, and it's been working. LeBron James, I'm I, I'm hot take. He's going to play till he's forty. He can play till he's forty, and he will mold and change his game whatever needs be for the team. And all honesty, we can ride that. Not ride that as our star player, but he can he can still be a vital part of the team. That's why I threw out names out there like Zach Levine. I know we heard about that earlier. So those borderline superstar players, because again, we don't have the salary cap, so we can't go for another max player. And in honesty, it's going to probably take us getting rid of Danny Green because who else are we going to trade? KCP, that's only about six. What he's making eight mil. Hey, yeah, and I mean, and let me let me butt in here real quick. And that's the thing, right? Because because of everything that's going on, the Lakers don't necessarily have the salary cap or the assets to make that to get that one piece that they need. Plus, with everything that's going on, the salary cap might be extremely low this year because the last few years, what it's been over a hundred million, right? Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah. So maybe next year it might be in in the high tens, maybe ninety something or eighty something worst case scenario. So what I think should happen, at least for the Lakers, is AD has until October fourteenth to decide what he wants to do with his contract, right? So if he decides to opt out of his player option, right? Mm-hmm. If he opts out of his player option, he can sign a one or two year deal. And then join that large contingent of incoming all-star free agents in 2021. So if anything, I think the Lakers should wait until 2021. I'm not I'm not a Laker fan by any means, but I'm just pointing that out there. I have a question. Look, I, I know some of y'all think he's overrated, but I mean his team has not improved since he's been drafted there. When is Devin Booker's contract up? You guys any guys know? They just they, gave him they, a max deal, yeah, so they just signed an extension, bro. Maybe like five, like three, four years down the line, I could see a put like a player like Devin Booker demanding out of his situation. That's the and only it, way he's getting out of that, in that contract. If you're thinking about scooping him up, 
like trade. It would have to be by trade. But like the the point is, I mean, I kind of had a discussion with another podcaster, like who who could like who could be who could be the next you know superstar to to join the Lakers when you know LeBron like fizzles out. Like Devin Booker was mentioned, so like like a player like him could be under speculation. But it goes back to the assets and the tradability. He's that's, making that's, that's the big problem. Yeah, he's making thirty-one million on average for the next five years. But at the same time, like his team is garbage. But I, I don't, I don't see how Devin Booker would want to stay in Phoenix for for the long haul. I mean, if yeah. you look at it like this, the assets ain't there, but the the cap is there. Uh, KCP, Danny Green, Kuzma, first round pick. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and Phoenix is a shit organization to play for. Yeah, he's been. If anything, not to throw a wrench in your guys' plans. If anything, he's talked about playing with D'Angelo and Cat in Minnesota because they apparently are bonded like that. So that's the new uh, big three. Yeah, none of them can play defense though. So yeah, big three to see. They, I still honestly, say like Zach Levine. Zach I mean, that's Levine. not a that's, that's not, not a bad, bad callback. No, yeah. I'm cool with Zach Levine, borderline all star. Gives you that showtime aspect, like I was talking, baby. Also, shooting, shooting, shooting solid from three. He's he's growing into a superstar. I, I, I mean, of all the these young up and coming superstars we have right now, I bet like there has to be one that signs with the Lakers. There has well, to be yeah. one is going to sign with the Lakers, but we don't necessarily know which one because there it's it's going to be such a weird free agency. Because there's no money. There's there's literally no money to go around. So what can you do at that point? Because Gordon Hayward is a free agent. Paul Millsap, DeMar DeRozan, Otto Porter Jr. Mm. If I'm reading that correctly, I, I don't think I am. I mean, Drummond. It, it'll be like a veteran player. Sorry to cut you off. I want you to continue. Uh, it'll be like a veteran player, like how DeMarcus Cousins did the um, signing, the mid-level exception to sign to a team. So, for instance, DeMar DeRozan, because he missed out on his opportunity to sign with the Lakers when he was a free agent, stupid ass. Um, <laughs> DeMar DeRozan. He's an idiot. He is. Look, look, what, look what happened, bro. DeMar DeRozan wants to come back to the hometown. I'm not talking about the f***ing Clippers. Come back to the Lakers. This is your chance to redeem yourself, bro. It's down the street from Compton. Come on to the Lakers, brother. I, mean, I don't. I don't think I want Demar. No, no offense. Yeah, I don't really want. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, just looking at the top five, right? In terms of salary, because most of these unrestricted free agents on Spotrack.com, and a lot of these players are up there, and they all have bird rights. So I don't know if the, their teams are going to want to try and go over the cap to spend them. Looking at this list, the only one that I can see that would feasibly fit the Lakers is, I hate to say it, Danilo Gallinari. You could move LeBron to the one and then have Danilo at the three, AD at the four, and you'll be fine. So I don't know. Nah. It's going to be... It's going to be an interesting situation, no uh, doubt about it. Nah, I mean, we can't move LeBron to the one at 36 years old, bro. No. 35, 36. There's a reason why Bradley is starting right now. Bradley, Denny Green, LeBron. Although LeBron is playing point guard on offense, he is not playing point guard on defense. That is going to be a defensive liability to have Danilo Gallinari at the three and LeBron at the one. Now you're focusing on Denny Green playing defense on your two and one? Hell no. I mean, Come off the bench. The big story with the Lakers after this season, I think it's – Man, after this season, let's say we do win a championship, like 
it's going to be like the big story is like, what do the Lakers do in the next five to six years? How how does this roster fluctuate as LeBron ages? It, it, well, they do they do what the Warriors did. We're not not sign a snake. No offense, but <laughs> he is a snake. Build, he is a snake. They build, they build with their veteran presence and continue to get players in that help towards fighting for the championship. That young player or that superstar type player, and that's ultimately what's going to keep them afloat. I mean, after this season, AD inevitably becomes the face of the franchise. So, like it. Like you, the focus is like who fits fits AD because Le- LeBron LeBron's getting older. Fair enough, fair enough. But with all this uncertainty, talking about the season and how it's restarting, it's time to switch to another sport who's had a ton of uncertainty, but now there is certainty. Well, that, that's one of the, the recent episode we just saw with Major League Baseball. That's one of the worst episodes the sport has gone through it through its like century-long history okay yeah and because i know your disdain for baseball we're just gonna keep this short and sweet well not sweet but we're gonna we're just gonna keep it short why Uh, short because it personally speaking i am completely done with the (laughs) and with the entirety of whatever's going on between mlb and the mlbpa i'm glad that, that there's baseball back but it took so long to get here and it took so much out of me as a fan of baseball watching millionaires and billionaires fighting over money like i understand that the players are fighting to get proper compensation that's great at the same time there's a pandemic and people regular people like you i and everyone else we are struggling through life basically so it's it's like these people are fighting with their golden chairs with sticks made of bronze while the rest of us are trying to eat dirt with a with like a twig. That's what it feels like. I'm going to be honest here. It's good. It's good that baseball is back and even though the owners imposed it on the players, I mean it's it's good. It's good the sport is back. It's a positive, but the PR nightmare was so long and so disastrous personally i think the damage has been done and even having a season back isn't going to fix the damage you did with with this whole with this whole infighting i think the damage is permanent no matter what happens now if you i don't know how much you guys care about the minutia but i'm just going to get into it really quickly here there are going to be 60 games starting around july 23rd 24th with a quote-unquote spring training starting on July 1st, according to ESPN. The regular season ends on September 27th with 10 playoff teams, and the players will earn about 37% of their salary throughout this 60-game season. Uh, There will be 40 division games and 20 games interleague, making up the 60. There will be multiple tests per week, multiple temperature screens per week, and managers and coaches have to wear masks in the dugout while players wear masks in the clubhouse. There's no high fives, fist bumps, or hugs, no spitting, no chewing of tobacco or sunflower seeds, and there will be no expanded playoffs. So there's that. Uh, take what you will with that information. So, I mean, yeah. I, know, I know some baseball purists, I mean, today have expressed a very big negative on some of the things, the shortened 60-game season and, you know, the runner on second base. I mean, 
for what it's worth in this situation, the format's okay, in my opinion. I mean, I actually like the rule where you put the runner on second base when it hits extra innings because, you know, it, it, it you know, and Garrett, it increases the chances the game of actually ending. But to my point before, no matter what you do, I think you did the damage is already done. And I think from here on out, you've complete you you've already lost your fans. Like there's there's nothing there's nothing I could say about it. Was that yeah. so difficult to like come up with this? I don't think it should have been this hard. I spoke to a couple of baseball fans throughout this week just to kind of gauge and see what their idea was. Hardcore Dodger fans, and they're kind of on the fence about it. From what I heard, more because they're thinking about the safety and just thinking that the season should be a wash. And the others are like, yeah, they're excited for it. But then I'm just sitting here thinking as not as a non-baseball fan, like this shouldn't have been as difficult as it was for this to come out to for like a resolution, right? Yeah. Yeah, it took way too long. And it in you you made a they made a public embarrassment out of themselves. And but in I don't the think end, it was Oh no, I think they are. I've been seeing on Twitter that a lot of fans have been generally against what had what has been happening especially with how public the disputes have been because literally nothing was left under wraps everything was posted somewhere so that they can sway the court of public opinion to whichever side that they wanted it to and ultimately that was their pressure tactic they tried to leak things by let's say for example right the owners propose something that's paying the players 33 percent of their of their salary right uh-huh. and They'll say, oh, you know, we gave this wonderful little thing to the Players Association, but they ended up declining it. And so they they were using the public to try and sway either side to agree with them so that they will ultimately have a season, which ultimately, that's just just bad publicity, regardless of which side you're on. So uh, this question is for both of you guys. As baseball fans, are you still going to watch the season? Are you still excited to see Major League Baseball? I mean, so, I'm, to, I'm, you want to go ahead or? You go ahead, Jared. So, two quick things there. Am I going to watch it? Yes. Am I going to be excited for it? No. Wow, that's wow. It's very, it's very like I'm trying to be as impartial as I can with everything going on, but I'm glad that it's back. But I'm not excited to watch it because I knew, I know what it took just to get to this point and i don't like anything of it but why not enjoy it now that it's here you know this is the result this is the outcome so you're just gonna watch it and and not enjoy it it's just it's just a pastime daniel put it best that the way that the the entire situation has been going on with mlb and mlbpa they've essentially turned baseball into past time it's not fun i guess this season at least because the amount of vitriol the amount of back and forth that went into just trying to get the season started and how public it was it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth might as well just get the season man focus on the nba i mean would you say jared that you're an alienated alienated fan at this point would i say that i'm an alienated fan i would i would think so yeah because kbo and the NPB, the Japanese Baseball League, they're actually fun to watch. And although it's not MLB caliber talent, there are MLB players playing in those leagues. So it's not 
by no means is it a, a replacement, but it's a good kind of it's a good placeholder until things get back to normal, whatever that may be. That's understandable. Well, I mean, I I know this is kind of a basic question. Like, what do you see the the future of baseball in general going forward after after this whole, you know, this whole frankly piss contest? For me personally, I feel like this marks the slow. Not necessarily demise, but the slow reverse into relevance, if we want to put it that way, if that makes sense. Because I, I don't remember if it was you or Jarrell, but one of you guys mentioned how the NBA, whenever there's talks, they they say what they want to say and they leak out information that they want to leak out, right? But this one, it's alienated me to the point where I'm going to be watching the Cardinals only. I, before I used to take a vested interest in most of these sports or most of these teams, excuse me, but now it's just, I only care about the Cardinals and nothing else because I know what went into this. And because of that, my support for it is slowly dwindling. I see it eventually just fading into the background. It's not going to take 10 years. Maybe it's going to take 30 years, but it's setting up that slow decline for baseball. Man, I didn't know you were a Cardinals fan, Jared. Of all the things to take out of that, that is what to take out. But yes, I, mean, I am. A, I am a Cardinals fan. But grew up in St. Louis, and I love the place. Jared, you've been around the world. Yeah, shout out P Diddy. Been around the world. Yeah, I, I think that personally, after this incident, I think the sport, the sport's never gonna regain its past glory, past glory ever again. So, I mean, I think this, this, I think nailed that the nail in the coffin. Yeah, and. With that being said, I just want to touch on a few more things before we wrap things up. So it's interesting while the United States tries to grapple with this COVID-19 situation, multiple countries have actually seen major sports return. Uh, The world's four biggest soccer leagues, England, Spain, Italy, and Germany, are back. Baseball, like I said, resumed in Japan. And basketball resumed in China. So there's some things to look forward to uh, if you don't feel like any of the American offerings are holding up, but I just want to get your guys' take on this and we'll end up on this kind of depressing note. Bubba Wallace found a noose in his garage and people on social media have been on both sides of the fence for some reason. And the FBI did an investigation and found that the noose was there for a while and it's not a hate crime. So just want to get your thoughts on this. I personally think this is extremely horrific this is horrible i don't know what else needs to be said this is just the lowest of the low when it comes to people so i think nascar completely i mean i have to say they completely it up with the pr it's obvious i think they literally i mean it's not even they literally jumped the gun on this issue they didn't go into detail they overreacted and as far as bubba the reaction to bubba wallace now it's kind of ridiculous Bubba Wallace had nothing to do with the noose that was found. He was he, he was just trying to live his day like most other people. He's not Jesse Smollett. Come on, people. <laughs> he like calm 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 the fuck down. He he he's the he, if anything he's the innocent figure in this situation. He did nothing wrong. Leave the man alone. As far as the other sports leagues starting around the world, I mean it's good that we're trying to get sports back, but I have fears you know, with the second wave, the, I mean, this is kind of non-sports related, the second wave, the economy has been struggling, the world has been struggling, 
and the second wave could be like final the final shot that that finishes it off. So I kind of fear with the with the disease not leaving anytime soon that these leagues and businesses around in general could end up shutting down again. But for now, I'm cautiously optimistic. Piggybacking off of that, yeah, we don't want to end up living in a world like The Last of Us 2 where everybody's infected because of this COVID disease. Praying for a cure so we can come back to normal, but uh, we'll see. I'm not going to speak too much on the Bubba Wallace incident because I didn't even know that this was going down. This is the first time that I'm hearing of it, so I guess I've been under a rock. But, um, yeah, it's crazy, 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 crazy. Hopefully people... Don't look at it as, as a Jesse Smollett uh, situation like Daniel said. I thought that was funny, Daniel. <laughs> wow. Well, with that being said, it's time to wrap up this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. Make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks podcast. And with that, I'm Jerry Castillo. Yeah, I'm Daniel Wayne. And I'm Jarrell Sells. And we will see you next week.